endure hardships. Second Timothy 2 and verse 2. As a good soldier. Soldier of Christ. Second Timothy 2 and verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness. The KJV says. Some other translations put the word hardness as hardship. It is possible you see the word hardness and get it twisted and say it speaks about being stubborn or being heady or being violent, being restive, being a thug. Say, I'm a thug for Jesus. No such thing. Say, I, I, I'm, I'm violent for Jesus. No such thing. The servant of the Lord. Second Timothy 2 and verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. But be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach. Patient. Apt to teach. Patient. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Says so the servant of the Lord must not be given. First Timothy 3 and verse 3 to wine. Must not be a striker. Not greedy of filthy look, a love of money, but patient. Not a brawler. Not covetous. The servant of the Lord must be gentle. Said, I beseech you, Second Corinthians ten and verse one. By the meekness and the gentleness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Endure hardships, endure hardness. One version says, endure persecutions, endure afflictions. Endure. Endure. First Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, that no man be moved by these afflictions. But down to you have been called. Second Timothy 4, verse 5. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Things that do not make Christianity easy for you. For example, being tired. Let's see this verse of the Bible from some translations. This is the Amplified. As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Accept and suffer 
unflinchingly every hardship. I love it. <laughs> Glory to God. Because <laughs> most of you think Christianity is just from bread and butter thing. Just <laughs> come to church, just a little talk with Jesus, just sing one or two songs, enjoy yourself. Twist your body, rig, rig your gluteus in some extremities of sense rules, seductive provocations, and then rejoice. All service put together, 30 minutes. Sermon, 10 minutes. Do you like this one? It's come from the Amplified Translation. Some of you have never seen it before. You can download it. It's, it's a free Bible application on your mobile phone if you have an Android phone. An Android system. It's called the Amplified Bible. It's, it's beautiful. It's actually, it's an actually amplified grammar of the new KJV. Amplified grammar of the new KJV. As for you, be calm and cool and steady, accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. One person I know that uses this translation is Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer uses only the Amplified. <laughs> I love it. I don't use it to preach because it's very extensive and it's so difficult to learn by heart for me. Next world, I will start out with the Amplified at maybe age two weeks in my mother's womb. So when I'm born, I'll be born again talking in tongues. You understand what I'm saying? You don't understand. Don't worry about it. As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Endure hardships. Endure hardness. Let's see one other translation. So you don't think that it's very sunny, very scorching, you can't attend church. I mean, it's very, very sunny. It's so sunny that you are sweating, you are perspiring, you are very uncomfortable. Someone says, let's pray. Say, eh, how can I pray? This? Let's pray now. <laughs> Sometimes the reason why many of you are not good The reason why many of you are not good Christians is because the circumstances that surround you have not been favorable. You've been under pressure. Under pressure. You've been under pressure. Aka Demically, under pressure, academically, under pressure, financially, under pressure, relational wise, you've been under serious pressure. <laughs> Nothing has, has excited you. Not, nothing is making you happy. 
Nothing is making you happy. Nothing is exciting you. You're just, you're just there. You look at the entire day, it's been topsy-turvy, upside down, everything. You, you try to do didn't work well. You look at your life upside down, sometimes you are wondering what is going on. The Bible says, endure. Stand the test. Stand the test. Watch thou in all things and do affliction. Do the work of a preacher. Make full proof of that ministry. Was talking to Timothy. And as a Christian, it is not out of place to learn from this very simple scripture. Second Timothy 2 and verse 4 No man that worries entangled himself with the affairs of this life. That he may plead who has called him to be a soldier. No man that worries entangled himself with the activities of a civilian. No man that worries entangled himself with the affairs of this life. Can I boldly say to you that if you're going to be a good Christian, I mean, if you're going to be a good believer, a successful believer, you have to learn to stand stress. Pleasurable Christianity will not work. Those who do it are very insincere and very pale and they often backslide. To think that Everything around you will go well and support your Christianity is to live foolhardy of the truth of the word. To think that your parents will encourage you, your friends, neighbors, your loved ones. Your children, your husband or wife, society, your workplace, your boss at work or your subordinate, your driver or your boss that you drive. To think they will encourage you and support you and fan into flames your Christian desire and help you create an appetite and give you an atmosphere conducive to prayers is to deceive yourself. A sister in this church told me some time ago, she said, each time I begin to sing, my husband says, keep quiet! I'm disturbing the house. And I'll say, ah, hey, you, 
you from mercy assembly and he will say so what I said you are disturbing the entire house you and I will tell Revol and he will say hey, go either and tell him and at the very best he will preach and mention my name now I have not mentioned his name yet I will still mention his name bro boy why are you afraid it's not you now bro boy <laughs> so I say, mention my name I say hey don't wear. I will say, just relax. Don't worry. That one is not so there. Mention my name. If I'll be there. I will shout. I will come upon you. I will do it. Just relax. <laughs> because it is not um, it is not so much as trying to ridicule you or trying to upset you. It's just that circumstances may bring it up when I'm preaching and in the heat of the spirit I'll just say, Boye is an evil man. Simple. That's all. That's all. <laughs> then Boye will hear at Canada, Ontario, Canada or something. And then say, ah, Revo is an evil man too. Okay. Whichever way. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. Why is this so? Why? Why is it difficult? He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in jars of clay. I know some boys who call themselves carriers of God. While the, the phrase is very, very striking, I think sometimes we can miss it. Because the reason why we say God is within you is not because God Almighty dwells in your belly. It's because you have eternal life. You get what I'm saying? So when you say you're a carrier of God, you must know what you are saying. So that we don't limit God to limited you. He's <laughs> going to get it to that point. When you say, I'm a carrier of God. And, and somebody slaps you. And you, you die. <laughs> the carrier of God is dead by just a little slap. I'm serious. So when you say, you're a carrier of God. <laughs> okay. There's a ministry like that. And... Okay. We have the nature of God. We have the spirit that is born of God. And this is why the Bible says, we know he dwells within us. First. John 3.24, 1 John 4.13 He dwells within us because of his spirit that he has given unto us. Second Corinthians 4 verse 7 says we have this treasure this great treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It is not of us, it is of God. Because it is of God even when we are afflicted or we are challenged, we should remain strong. We have a divine treasure in this body, this frail, this feeble, this fatigable, stressable, weak, prone to sin, physical human body. 
this mortal body body that can take ill can be sick can die can be caught can be broken can be bruised can be butchered you smash my corner as possible it's blown into a, a few pieces in spite of the fact that we have a treasure on the inside this does not change whom God is or his power at work within us it's just that the excellency of this power is superhuman is supernatural it is not of our physical strength it does not derive by physical capabilities of body it does not derive by our human wisdom it does not come from our status or our positions here on earth we have the treasure in vessels of clay your body is just mortal that's clay on the day of death your body will go back to earth as it was god made man from the rubbish from the dust of the earth man will go back to the dust of the earth there's something i've said to people they find it very difficult to believe i've said if you look at genesis 3 from verses 16 to 19 the reason why man dies is not because man sinned the reason why man dies is because man is ass earthy upon consequential rather upon his sinfulness he said you will suffer from the brow of your sweat the brow of your from the sweat you will eat you will be under this pettiness and depravity seal you return to the ground for out of it you were taken and back to it you shall return treasures we have this treasure rather in earthen vessels <clears throat> so whether it's conducive or not you have to pray whether it's conducive or not you must come to church you must read your bible he that observeth the wind shall not sow sometimes you deal with a light hand because you lack wisdom why didn't you pray yesterday i had a headache why didn't you pray the other day i was hungry why didn't you come to church i slept off why have you not read your bible for more than 10 minutes in the last one month I've been having eye issues. Why have you not been a good Christian? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Touching life by evangelism. I don't even understand myself myself. <laughs> At the end of the day, you see that all these things come together and they form a barricade to a sustainable and healthy spiritual life on your part. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet distressed. We are per perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Let's see 2 Corinthians 4 verses 7 through 8. And not from the Amplified also. It says... 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 8, 9. 
Start from seven. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of us that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Number eight. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not crammed or crushed. We suffer embarrassment and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Nine. We are sued, persecuted and hard driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Powerful. Very powerful. A healthy prayer life can never come cheap. If you see somebody who tells you, praying is easy. Tell him I said he does not pray. Did you hear me? Anytime you find anybody in your life who says, it's just too easy to pray. Tell him, there is this reverend, I can't remember, I don't know where he is, whether he's in the body or out of the body. He said, you do not pray. <laughs> that easy. Somebody says, well, you see, to fast is very easy now. I've been fasting for 200 days. <laughs> because the body is immortal. Because there is blood in your veins. Because the cells of your body are living and they are biologically degradable. The body can never support eternity or anything spiritual. This is why you are tired already. You pray one hour, you feel like you are going to break. You pray 30 minutes, you feel like you are so thirsty, you will die. You can't even pray sometimes. You are feeling sleepy. People come to church and they are so odd. They just feel, oh God, why, 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 why am I going to do this, Lord? And in spite of all these, we must still be unflinchingly strong. Enduringly strong. Watch thou in all things. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. Endure afflictions. If you say it's easy to come to church regularly, it's because you don't come. If you say it's very interesting to just get up in the morning and read your Bible and pray, it's because you don't do it. And the reason is simple. The earthen vessel. The physical vessel. The desires for pleasure and rest. Voluntary and involuntary actions of the flesh, of the muscles, of the nerves, of the sensory organs, of your nerve endings will plunge you out of spirituality. If you allow your flesh dictate the tide of the tune of how to live, you will be a bad Christian. This is why he says, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. 
The greatest enemy of the Christian is his body. Your body, my body. The greatest deterrent to progress. The greatest demobilizer. What would demobilize you and strike out turbo and strike from your engine is your flesh. Your flesh wants food. Sometimes you are so hungry you can't sleep. And you are so uneasy you can't read. You are so tired you can't pray. And you are so broke there's no way out. You are now frustrated. You get food. You eat. You neither can pray nor read. So you sleep. When you get up, you are more tired. You sleep the more. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reason why some of us don't fast is because it's tortuous to our body. Very tortuous. By 10, 11 in the morning when you should have eaten, your body is shaking already. You are racked. You have some serious temperature issues. You can't tell what is going on in your body. Your head is spinning. Something is spinning. You are seeing stars. Death is knocking at your door. You must die because you have not eaten just six hours. Then you break your fast and then you feel like sleeping. Sometimes you want to pray, you set up to pray. And I have noticed, I, I notice that sometimes I'm praying and I sleep. I try to do it and I've done it successfully over and over again. And I've discovered that people who pray and sleep, or when I pray and sleep most times, I've not really prayed long. At times, I fool myself. I say, I've been praying for very long. And I check the time. I discover that I started praying and in three minutes, I was sleeping already. Really, will a man pray one hour and sleep? When you say, I prayed and slept, you must have slept in two, three, four, five minutes. You are gone. If you can last one hour, you pray two hours. That's the way it works. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you in church? He says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves as to sink anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, for the letter killeth, but of the spirit, for the spirit giveth life. Let me explain something quick. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 6. You need to come to church. Many things I explain in this church that you miss. Have you noticed? Who also has made us ebonistas? Who are the us? The Corinthians. Who are the Corinthians? Christians, saints, by Christ's death and resurrection. 
First Corinthians one 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 two. Second Corinthians one 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 two. So simple. So if you're a Christian or a saint of God by his death and resurrection and his sanctified power, then also you are an able minister. So you can say this verse fits appropriately describing you and I for being blood blood bought, redeemed by God through the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Who also had made us saints of God, those of us who are born again, able servants or ministers. I'm trying to paraphrase verse 6 of 2 Corinthians. You may want to look into it so that you can get my paraphrasical appraisal. By paraphrase, I mean I'm trying to expand this verse Trying to use other words to get the meaning clearer, more lucid for your comprehension tonight. I'm not writing my own Bible. I'm just expanding on this. This is not reverse version of, of, of the Bible. It's just some explanation. Okay. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 6. Who also hath made us saints of God, those born again, able servants of the New Testament, not of the law. The letter here speaks of the law. Not of the Old Testament or the law or the commandments. That's the word letter. But of the spirit. That is the dispensation of the spirit of God in man. For the law or the commandment, or the Old Testament kills, or killeth. But the Spirit giveth life. Why does the law kill? Because by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God. Can I tell you something? Why could no soul please God under the Old Testament? No person under the Old Testament could please God. Why? Why? Can I tell you? Can I ask you? Why can't you please the Lord? You can't please the Lord as a person. You can't. Why? Can I tell you? Galatians 3.10 James 2.10 Galatians 3.10 James 2.10 Why could Nobody under the Old Testament pleased the Lord. Nobody could. Nobody had acceptance in God's sight. It says, even our father Abraham, if he hath wealth to boast, Romans 4 from verse 2, not before God. Why? I'll tell you. Galatians 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Once you are under the letter or commandment, you are under a curse. What is the curse? What is the curse? For it is written, 
Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the Lord to do them. The laws were so many. And if you don't do all, you are under a curse. And because no man could do all, they were all under a curse. So the letter kills. Do you understand? James 2 and verse 10. Nobody under the Old Testament could please God. If you are trying to please God now on the grounds of do's and don'ts, you are fooling yourselves. You are wasting your time. You cannot. You cannot. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. What this means is this. Those who are justified shall be justified by faith in the justifier and not their works. Galatians 2 10 For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all. If there are 10 laws of God and you have been able to keep 9.75 you are as though you didn't keep anyone. This is not me. This is the Bible talking to you. You're not getting it. If God says, set all these seats in a column or rows by two and three, you set all these seats and there is one that is quaggy because it, it won't just fit in. You are guilty of not setting anyone right at all. 99% is zero. 99.9% is zero. 99.9999 cannot be approximated. It is still zero. In God's sight. You will never ever get it right. You cannot. You know, it's so simple. God is a spirit. You are flesh. He dwells in a light no man can approach unto. Whom no man can see. Whom no man had ever seen. Him alone had immortality. How do you please somebody you can't see? You don't even know his demands. You don't even know what he wants. At the very best, you can think of what he wants by laws. You don't really know the nitty gritty of those laws he gave you. I've quoted this at you. Psalm 130 and verse 3. Thou, O Lord, if thou were to mark iniquity, <laughs> No flesh. Psalm 130 verse 3. If thou Lord shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? <laughs> Holy man, you can't stand. You cannot. If thou o Lord were to mark iniquity, no flesh shall stand. Psalm 143 and verse 2. And enter not the judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no living be justified. Nobody can be justified in God's sight except by God's gift of righteousness. 
Right status is a gift from God. You didn't earn it. God gave you. God gave you. You could not have earned it. It would not have come your way. Turn your Bibles with me. Open at Romans 3 and verse 20. Hallelujah. Turn it open. Romans 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. <laughs> by the deeds of the law, once it's coming from your hands, it is foul in God's sight. It's a gift of grace. Maybe you should read the book of Romans. You'll enjoy it. Very powerful book. 5.17 Romans 5.17 I want you to read the book of Romans tonight, finish tonight, or start tonight, finish tomorrow morning or finish tomorrow before evening. Read the book of Romans, read through. You will enjoy it. Maybe we should read it in some translation like the NIV, more modern version like the, than the KJV. Romans 5.17 For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall ready life by one Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 21. Get your Bible. Second Corinthians 5 21. Second Corinthians five and verse twenty one. For he hath made him to be sin for us. The word sin is better rendered sin offering or offering for sin. For he had made him an offering for sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made. You didn't earn it. You didn't get it. You were made. You were made. I've not lost track. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament. You need to put your strength into it. Put in your dedication, your time. When it's challenging your body or tasking, remember. For though the outward man perish, yet the inward is renewed by the day. Why are we not discouraged? I just told you. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have not discouraged. For which cause we faint not. We are not discouraged. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 16. Let's see this from the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 16. We do not faint. We are not in despair. We are not discouraged. 
Let's see this from the Amplified. We're not discouraged. I'm praying and I'm tired. I keep praying. I'm reading my Bible and I'm tired. I keep at it. I'm singing and it's meaningless to me. I keep at it. It will never strike you like you're watching a football match. When you're watching a football match, you have physical expectations. Sometimes some men who play football to kick people around them. Read after a man who kicked his child to nonsense. Somebody else pushed his leg into an electronic screen. He was smarter than the guy he saw playing on television. He was smarter. When the guy was not hitting the body, he hit the television screen. Pwah! Smashed it to pieces. You say, why? Because he was, he was eager playing football, watching football. Boxing, wrestling, even driving. I love to drive. I love to drive very, very slowly. Because I've driven people before who had their heart in their mouth and they were chewing it. People that were stiff. They will use the brake with you psychologically. They will hold the steering with you. They are driving with you. They are, they are very nervous. When your neck breaks, speed trying to catch up with time and you are just swerving left and right, they are driving with you. You see, it's us. It's us. They can see it. They can touch it. They can handle it. They can identify it. Same thing with movies. I've discussed with many members of church and people like, you, people love movies. People just love sound, music, sights. The telly, they love it. The dramatic, the theatrical, the play, the film. That's excited about it. Because they can see, they can hear. This is completely different. It doesn't taste like barbecue. Or expensive suya. It is not like food. It does not heat your taste buds. It does not satiate your physical, leisure, pleasures, or appetite. It's a spiritual thing. You are reading the Bible as an intercourse with the spiritual. You are reading the Bible as a work in the spiritual. You are understanding God who is a spirit. It's different altogether. It will never soothe your nerve endings. You will never enjoy it. What you will enjoy in it is the impact it is meant to have upon your life. The joy that will drive you is the benefit you are getting from it. It's just like some workplace. You go to some workplace, you are so tired, you are fagged, and you must go the next day because of your salary. So at the end of the day, you are looking at the salary you are going to pick to feed your family or feed yourself. The same thing. You are reading your book, you are not enjoying it, you must read your book so that you pass and not fail. So with the Bible, you are reading, you are not enjoying it, remember, it's for a spiritual good. So don't wait till it's interesting. It will never be. It may never be. Don't wait till you enjoy it. Say, I just like reading the Bible. Oh, you are fooling yourself. A time comes, you get despondent and exasperated. But because of the joy you want to derive from it, by looking to the benefit you get from it, you press on. See this one. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 16. Therefore, we do not become discouraged 
encouraged. Ah, I love this. You need to get the amplified on your phone. You'll love it. Beautiful, powerful things. For me, I, I, I really love to preach with my KJV as dry and drabby as it is. So, but for you, I think you love to be amplified. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our, out, what our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Actually, the word renewed in the Greek is made new. Is made new in the Greek, which means it remains new always. The, the inward man cannot be altered. He has the nature of God. The inward man is not renewed. The inward man is new every day. Your mind can be renewed by the word of God. Your mind can be exchanged for the word. You, you, you let go of filthiness, you receive the word. But the spirit within, the inward man is new every day because he has the nature of God on the inside. I mean within him. He cannot sin. He is born of God. That seed remains in him. So it's, it's just a making new. What does he call it? Verse 17. For our light affliction is <laughs> momentary. Temporal. Whatever affliction you are going through, whatever uneasiness, whatever barrier is hindering progressive pursuit of God is temporal. It's for a while. The sickness, the tiresomeness, the tiredness, the weakness, the stress, the discouragement, the poverty, the lack, the frustration, the bad experiences, your evil testimonials, your sinfulness is for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, do your best to make progress in the Lord. Something I've been preaching in this church for a while is that Second Timothy four, and you can be sure our close. We can just pray some more and close. It's an evening of prayers. So when it's the last Friday of the month, we have the evening vigil or evening prayer. We are praying from 4.30 to 8.30, sometimes 9, sometimes 8. Some of you came late. Please come early next time. I laid an emphasis on Friday, I mean on yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday. How there is a deliberate fight against teaching. It is not just in this church. It's global. Somehow, somehow, Bible teaching is being seriously attacked amidst Christians. Bible teaching has been relegated to midweek services this is in churches where it's allowed 
wait, where it's supported, where, where, where there is any trace of significance attached to it. Bible teaching is, is an exclusive preserve of particular days of the week with a special acronym that shows inclusiveness and exclusiveness. When you see the title on the church bulletin, you know you don't have to come. Digging deep. When you see digging deep, do you want to come to church? What are you digging? It's it, it, to you very offensive and it, 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 it from the beginning shows that it is not for everybody. This is why digging deep service will have fewer attendance. Or you find search the scriptures. And you see, you see, Sunday service has a pictorial of jubilant believers raising their hands. Friday service has a scene of people praying. When you see the digging deep service pictorial, it shows somebody sweating and crying over the Bible. There is a deliberate attack on teaching. Ladies and gentlemen, I said something on Wednesday. I'm sure people were a little offended. Maybe some people took it very, very insultive. I said, it's, it's, it's um, very funny and it's not just in this church alone. The moment the pastor steps on stage to begin to preach or teach, there's always a change in church ambience. Look out, look at the ushers, sorry, look at the choir seats each time pastor says to preach. Many members of the, of the choir will leave. They stay outside chatting, just in chewing gum. Well, not in this church, basically, because of the way the church is. But in most churches where there's a large choir and there's a lot of concentration on singing, just be sure the keyboard is just get up, drawn or get up, they go downstairs, they are gisting. Pastor is preaching. Deliberately, there is an offense that teaching is to people. And until teaching becomes a lifeline, church is no church to you. The church should be seen as the stronghold of the truth. This is, can, this is only maintained and portrayed by teaching. You must, you must be adequately taught. And it's not, listen, I'm not, I'm not painting you a picture of Bible school. Rather, I'm painting you a picture that every church should be a Bible school. Every church should be a Bible school. And every Christian should be a Bible teacher. Every church should be a Bible school. Every church. Come to think of it. Come to think of it. People speak about being bored. 
I, I, I won't tell you a lie. Forget it. No matter how much you think I exaggerate. No matter how much you think I tell stories. Sometimes you think they are unfounded. God forbid I tell you a lie. When I give you a story, it's a story that happened. Forget it. Don't, don't say, ah, that's the way he talks. He just talks rubbish. No, no. If it happened, I'll tell you it happened. At a particular workers slash couples meeting, one of the one of the husbands, one of the men said, I, I, I get bored about church. The reason why I don't attend church sometimes is because when I get up on the Sunday morning, I know that there is nothing I'm coming to do at church than to hear the pastor preach. That's all. There is nothing to this church than just level preaching. So I'm bored. Can't we spice can't we spice church? Can't we have varieties? This is what is leading many churches into what they are doing. I thank God. I thank God that some people on a good day will never have come to church. Some celebrities, some hardened criminals, some Muslims, some Hindu people, some rich people, some extravagant, exotic women and men may never have come to church but they are not in church not just this church, many churches but I'm also very afraid there's a thin line between preaching to the gallery to making people come to accept what we are saying because we have lightened or cheapened it and touching lives they say very, we have to be very careful the reason why many churches are filled is because we don't teach anymore. The reason why many churches have people in them is because we are not doing anything seriously, Christianly anymore. Entertainment, singing, varieties, fashion parade, good light, good stage, beautiful AC, Beautiful looks, hot legs, hot faces. People spend money making up to come to church. People spend serious money. Sometimes I'm forced to know many people come to church for many other reasons than to be taught the word. There are many other reasons. And contact, from fair, religion, convention, um, fashion display, pride, competition, seductive reasons, money making, business agreements, religion of the day, boredom at home, are many more reasons to come to church than coming to be taught. No, tell me, tell me, tell me. Church starts, church starts at 8 o'clock and is meant to close at 11 o'clock. And it's by 8 o'clock you are with your mirror. And you paint your face till you become a masquerade till 9. And you eat till 10. And you apply your perfume five times again. And you come to church at 11 o'clock when I'm almost closing. You could not have been thinking of being taught. You definitely were not coming to be taught. You were coming for something else you know yourself. It's not possible for you to think you're coming to be taught and you dress up for one hour, two hours, and you come late. It's not possible. 
I was thinking if you were coming to be taught, you could come to this church in your boxers, whether you're a man or woman. In your boxers. In your boxers. With a pair of slippers. And your towel. You were going to the bathroom, you just from bathroom to the car with your towel on your neck. You sit here, you hear God's word taught you. Then you go back and go and dress up and come again. I mean, the, the place of the word is so vital. You see it as this is why we come to church. And anywhere, any church where teaching is emphasized, members will die. I mean, sorry, membership will do in do. That's what I mean by membership will die. Members will die. I don't mean physical death. I mean that there will be a drought of people. People will not come. They will, they will, and they will tell you why. Say, I, I, I'm born. Alright. What, 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 what hits me in the face is this. What is the place of Christianity if you are not taught Christianity? So what are you? You are wasting your time. So, so if you are a Christian and you are not taught how to be a Christian, what are you doing? So what's the use? What is the use? If you are not taught the Bible accurately, you are wasting your time. It's, 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 just, it's just like wasting your time. If you attend a church and you are not taught, you are not, you are not educated. People attend school and sometimes they are so mad at some lecturers, they say these guys are empty. They are too, they are too empty. They don't know anything. Dr. Tosin is making some, some whooping, some whooping money in UK. Some whooping money. He has said this to us in this church. He, he told me this personally. He said, he said, when he left medical school here, he was on housemanship at some place close to Badagri, Lagos, and then he traveled abroad. He said, when he traveled abroad, he learned medicine, medicine and surgery all over again. Because to him, what he was taught here was rubbish for seven years. He said he had to learn all over again. It happens to many of us. I met a man who is a banker, he read banking and financial university of Lagos, and the man told me, he said, after reading one of these courses in, in banking, he said, when he got to the bank, he had to learn banking. They said, where are you from? He said, I'm from so-and-so school. See my result, 2-1. They said, you know nothing. Happens. People say, ah, it's, it's, it's really learning. But then when we come to a church, we feel we can survive without being taught. Are we not being stupid? We are not thinking straight. You feel you can survive without being taught. How would you? You can't. You cannot survive without being taught. You can't survive without being taught. Church is no church until it's a place where people are taught resiliently the word. And it must be so, it must be so, so, oh boy, oh my, my, my brother, my sister, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. When somebody's been educated, you will know. The process is no joke. The procedure is no joke. And the profit is also not a joke. When you have a child in school that is making progress, you will know. You will definitely, it becomes obvious that this, 
This child is being trained. This child is being instructed. This child is being educated. This child is being groomed and grown and graced in human philosophy. This child is growing. It will, it, it, it will show. It will show. When you attend church, my brother, the procedure and the process and the profit must be clear. It must be clear that this church is a teaching church. There must be issues with time spent teaching. I don't think if you attend church where there are no issues with time spent teaching, you are being taught. I think we must have that issue. We must. And sincerely, I must appreciate people that always raise comments and suggestions when we discuss how to move church forward. We always talk in this church over again on individual basis, one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes in a group, at other times at some meeting after church, sometimes it's a Bible study, how do we move church forward? And we always come up with this issue of time, 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 time. And then sometimes we are very careful how to say because we don't want to be touchy or step on the pastor's toes. You don't want to be called the black sheep in the family. So you say that, um, let's cut time, but let's give level all the time. Let's, let's give level like five hours. I thought we have cut three hours. You get what I'm saying? We're going to give about three hours to preach the word of God, but we should cut three hours first in a two-hour service. You get it? <laughs> get that kind of sarcasm. You say, well, the, the, we're not, Revo, we know what you like. is teaching. Revo, Revo likes teaching, you know. So, so, I suggest that we cut everything down to two hours and all. So, please, please, please. You know, Ajina, you know what they do sometimes? They say, they tell people that moderate when I'm preaching, Give him the mic. Don't sing. Don't pray. Give him the mic at the beginning. I'm a genius one day at a particular meeting. I just I quickly came in. I was talking in tongues. Before the meeting started, the man who was meant to pray came to meet me and said, This is the mic. I said, For what? He said, They told me not to pray. I should give you the mic so you will pray. You would moderate. You will call the singers. You will lead the songs. You will preach. You move our God. Move demo. Everything one hour thirty minutes. I said, "Give me the mic." I prayed and sang for one hour thirty minutes. No preaching yet. When I said sit down, they were sad. I said, "Okay, let's start preaching now." People, people sarcastically said, so, well, my suggestion is very simple. I know that Revo, Revo likes, and people, people make it look as if it's some addiction. Yes. They say, Revo, you like to talk. Ah, as I'm a parrot. Boy, my ears are hard. When we get to heaven, I will talk to God. People have embarrassed me in so... They say, Revo, Revo talks a lot. As I'm a parrot, a talkative, a loquacious person with a verbal diarrhea. Someone says, no, 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 it's not like that. You enjoy preach. No, 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 it's not like that. You enjoy because you are used to it. You've not had a job for how many years now? So you are used to it. So it becomes, I'm, I'm, it becomes my snag and my problem.
it is now my disease. So because of the pastor's disease of loquaciousness, let us give him one hour. Someone says, teaching. I've been in meetings. There was a meeting I want to preach. And they told me, take the offering. 30,000 naira, take the offering before the preach. I said, ah. That's a good one. Why you give me the offering so fast? They said, no, no, it's nothing. Just take the offering. Thank you. I took it, put it in my, in my suit. They said, you are preaching 10 minutes. I said, ah. The Lord sees that. Is this why you gave me the offering early? They said, no, no, just take the offering. I said, no, no, no. Take your offering because I will preach long. They said, no, don't worry, don't worry. Just 10 minutes. I said, what am I going to do? He said, just take the offering. I said, ah. Are you bribing me to preach 10 minutes? And I preached 10 minutes. I still prayed for the sick. I still prayed and spoke with tongues and sang and sang and preached and preached 10 minutes. There is something going on that is completely erroneous and wrong. It's, it's a battle against the word. It's against teaching. It has nothing to do with my being talkative, my being loquacious, I just enjoy talking to people, just gisting, just jesting. I just like to talk. I just like to throw my legs around and just be gisting and be laughing. Ke, 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 ke. Like somebody drinking palm wine. This is not the issue here. We must be taught completely and well. It doesn't come cheap. You have to be taught well. You must be taught repeatedly. You must be taught in spite of conditions, many conditions. So let me let me put this and then we try to close. Second Timothy three and verse four. Well, let me start from verse two. Verse one, okay. I charge second Timothy four and verse one. Before I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. Preach the word. Says be instant in season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and teaching. Anyway, you see doctrine, it speaks of teaching the message of Jesus. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I have defined this to you before at 1 Timothy 1 and verse 10 that sound doctrine speaks of the message of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1, 10, 11 defines sound doctrine as a glorious gospel of the blessed God. Sound doctrine is a phrase. It doesn't speak of a doctrine you like or I like or you don't like or I don't like. It doesn't speak of a particular church. It speaks of the message of Christ's death and resurrection. 1 Timothy 1, 10, 11. Sound doctrine. So, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure it. They can't. They can't stand long teaching. They can't stand sound teaching. They can't. They can't. That's preaching. There is no church in Nigeria <laughs> with stupendous membership and fast growth, especially contemporary church growth where there is long teaching. These are things 
no longer compatible with church growth. If your church must grow, you can't teach long. You cannot teach long. In Nigeria today, if your church must grow, you can't teach long. You can't teach some things. You have to water down some things. You can't be disciplined. You can't be hard on stage. You can't dress anyhow. You can't talk anyhow. You have to look for money to dress well. You must dress them with dressing. You must compete with their richest. Your wife must show fashion. So girls will follow her. You must show fashion. So men will follow you. You must have an ambience of romance. So they will all follow you together. You can't just come and just open your mouth and be talking Jesus all the time. They will say, ah, what are you doing now? This is no longer contemporary. If Jesus lived here, they would resist him. Paul had a squaggy, unkempt beard. The man Paul had an unkempt, he had sores from much beatings and scourgings. He had a club feet. His leg turned left and right. He was of short stature. The man called was a, Paul was a dwarf. Paul was Rara. He was a dwarf. It was said that his, his, the air on his, on his brow met. He had, he had consistent air from left to right. He could not have time to shave. He had consistent flat air brow. With some sauce because of too much beating. As though he was crushed by God. The man Paul wept. He wept preaching. He doesn't stay long before he starts to cry. He's telling you, be steadfast in prayer. And he breaks and begins to cry with his dwarfish comportment. He wasn't a smooth talker. No. So they, they, said, they said, his speech is contemptible. They said, his bodily presence is weak. They said, they said this man's speech, he wasn't oratorical. Paul was not a good talker. Don't get the mistake. Paul was not just some fluent, smooth talker, handsome, tall guy with 10 packs on each side of his chest with, the, with, with a Lamborghini car downstairs with a very comported attitude with an AC church. Ah, how could God have used Paul? Why, why does God use joking men? Why didn't God use Mr. Universe or Mr. Atlas? How, can, how could God have used Paul? Paul? Did you hear what I just described? He was a short man. He had a consistent air on his brow. He had a club feet. He had punches, sores. This one is healing. And that man slaps him and that sauce breaks out. And then he worsened it as though he was cursed by God. He was always crying. He says, my little children of whom I travel in so cry for 30 minutes for says and nothing. If Paul were in Nigeria, he would not have church. I would not even attend myself. I myself would not, I would not attend. I would say, ah! He's gone like this. Ah, Paul! But this was the man God used. He said, he labored more than all the apostles. First Corinthians 15 and verse 10, yet not, I said, his grace that was with me. And 
He taught and kept teaching and kept teaching. For three years, he taught morning, evening. For three years, morning, evening, church and house to house. For three years. If we can't take such responsibility, such enormity of task and such labor, we can't make it. We cannot make it. We just remain as seasonally, as petite, as joking like many Christians are. We have to go a step into emphasizing teaching and a step, we have to broaden our perspective of involvement. We have to press harder. We have to be more assiduous. We have to be more enduringly strong when it comes to learning the word of God. It can never come cheap. It can never come cheap. We must continue to fight over time. We must continue to fight over time. And we're not fighting over time because the pastor is singing. It's because he's preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching until you say all they know to do in the church is to teach the word. That man is such a useless pastor. He's such a useless man. All he does is to teach us the word. We say, Rabbi is such a useless man. He's always wasting our time teaching us the word. Such a, such, such, that man does not even, he, he has lost, he has lost consciousness of reality. He's always teaching the word. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will heap to themselves teachers after their own desires, having agitated ears, they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It is happening today in the body of Christ. They will turn their ears away from the truth. <laughs> A man is preaching. Church is dull. They were waiting for the explosive choir. Very explosive. And then some boys come and they wear some some cultic apparel. Like some knights of the occult Anglican church. Some, some quarters. And they hold up their trousers in their public area. Shake it. Where are these guys from? glory what people call church is not church what Christians call church today is is um, some musical place of jamboree some club house some drinkards meat place stand to your feet Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray while I'm close. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Make full proof of thy ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. It says, For my departure is at hand and I'm ready to be offered.
I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not just for me, but even also all those who love his appearing. Watch thou in all things. Always resist the temptation to flag in. Resist the temptation to be tired. 